0: hearing kids sing, amen, and uh, they always make the parents sound better, amen, but uh, no, I enjoyed that tremendously, and uh, uh, you, you gotta love kids, amen, if you don't love kids, man, you got a problem. Uh, I just, I love kids, I've, I've done a number of camps, one year I was up in northern Michigan here, brother, and I did a whole uh, seven weeks of camp in a row, and I had uh, two weeks of teens, I had a couple of weeks of juniors. I even had a week of a week of uh, uh, second and third graders, uh, uh, first, second, and third graders. They just were there just a half a day. The parents could come pick them up, you know. And what a ball I had with them kids, you know. Of course, you always get them uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders that get smart with you. And uh, <laughs> one boy asked me. He said, "I said, you're allowed. You can ask me any question you want within reason." Well, he said, "Now, brother, my." Can we use your pants to tie knots in the bottom and use it for a parachute to jump off the roof? <laughs> Where are their minds, amen? I have no idea, amen. <laughs> we used to just jump off the roof. We didn't need a parachute, amen? <laughs> Jeremiah chapter six. It is good to be here again tonight. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for the use of your office this afternoon. And uh, I loaded my van up with some of your books. hope you don't mind. Appreciate that. <laughs> but. Uh, I was able to rest on that couch in there a little bit, and uh, you got a nice war spot right in the middle of that thing where it dips down, it's pretty nice. That's like, nice thank you pastor. for breaking that in for yes. me, brother, I appreciate <laughs> this. I love picking on your pastor, amen, and uh, of course, I pick on preachers all the time, and my wife always, my wife said, my, my one granddaughter, I don't know, she says something snarky to me the other day on Snapchat, you know, she, she texts me every morning on Snapchat, my one down in, in uh, Florida where she's at, and, and uh, she says something snarky to me. And then she says, uh, she said, did I step out of line, Grandpa? I said, well, I'll let you know next time I see you. Must in the nose, amen? No, I <laughs> We just laugh. We have a great time, amen? My wife said, you deserve everything you get. She's not wrong. No, that's what I hear, amen? That's what I hear, amen? So the book of Jeremiah, Pastor, I read my text this evening. And, and uh, like I say, it's always scary, brother, when you read my text before I get up here. But I am going to stick with this tonight. And uh, the Lord, a uh, message, the Lord, has uh, been dear to my heart for a number of years. Uh, I don't have, I got new messages I write all the time. I'm always writing something new. But I like the old ones, amen. The, the, the one, I guess maybe I was younger and I was smarter. I don't know. I don't, I don't My wife said, you've never been smart. But, uh, you know, I try to think I am, you know. I'm trying to help out. After what I said about her in Sunday school, I'm trying to get out of it, amen. Your, <laughs> in Jeremiah chapter six verse sixteen says this: Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see. Now I want to stop right there with you for a little bit. I'm going to preach a message tonight, uh, not long, simple message on what brings what brings revival. What brings revival? You know, having an evangelist does not mean that you will have revival, amen? Right. Having revival meetings does not mean that you will have revival. Uh, you know, and, and the praying for revival uh, does not always mean you're going to have revival in the church. But boy, revival is an individual thing. Boy, it's good when it catches on and it spreads throughout the church, amen? It's good when the church gets behind a meeting. It's good to come. And I hope, man, can I tell you this? I hope you've been praying and asking God what he would do in your life this week, amen? Asking God to help you to get something that will strengthen you and help you to grow in the grace of God as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. But what brings revival? I wrote down this. Number one, if you're taking notes, thus says the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see. That's examination. That's examination. It's the idea here of coming to a, a T in the road. And you can't any longer go straight. You gotta. You have to either go to the right hand or to the left hand. You have to make a decision. I always choose to go to the right. Amen. I don't want to be on the left side. I want to be on the right side of everything. But uh, you know, you choose to go to the right hand. You gotta go. You gotta go one. You can't go straight forward anymore. I had a bunch of preachers in my car one time. Uh, uh, brother Ray Ovet was with me. Brother, we were up in Maine, and I was with a couple other preachers and Don Merritt and brother brother uh, Ovid and me and and uh, another pasture up there, and I'm driving, and the pastor says, now up here, he says, Mike, he said, you need to slow down, there's a curve, and there's no sign for it, just slow down to about 30 miles an hour, you'll be fine. And then up here, he said, now you're going to go over this little hill, there's another curve going the other way, he said, you need to slow down about 20 miles an hour for that one, there's no signs. Imagine that, no signs on the road. But that's how I grew up, amen. And then we come up to another one, and you didn't, I didn't see a sign at all, and I'm going down the highway about 55 miles an hour, and it comes to a T. So you need to stop here. Thanks for telling me now, amen. We ended up in the guy's cornfield out across the edge of the road. Didn't, in no ditch, just a flat, Turn around, pulled out. And there was a milk truck up the road. He just toots his horn and waves at me. And I wave at him on my way back on the road, amen. You need to learn to make a left or right turn. Because you keep on going straight forward, you're going to be in problems. Examination. 1 Corinthians, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In fact, you're getting ready to have communion here tonight, Pastor. I'm probably going to step in your text a little bit, I would imagine. Uh, There's all kinds of texts you can use for communion in Scripture, but I just want to look at a couple of thoughts here in 1 Corinthians and chapter 11 tonight. He makes this statement beginning in chapter 11, and go down with me if you would to verse 27. You know, he's already talked about the, the communion, this remembrance of me. And then he says in verse 27, when, when after he does this, he says, whatsoever, or wherefore whatsoever uh, shall eat, Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body uh, and the blood of the Lord. And then he says this, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. That's self-examination. We need to be doing that all the time. Not just not just a communion Sunday, amen. Not just once a week, not just once a month, not once a year, but all the time. I know some churches only have communion, Pastor, once a year. And some of them have uh, some of them I've been at haven't had communion in two or three years. Uh, boy, communion I think is an important thing. And that's not my point. My point is this the Bible tells us. To examine ourselves. And watch what he says. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Boy, you're in trouble if you're not a believer, if you're not living right, if you're not doing right, and not trying to do right, and you take communion, you're going to be in trouble we're warned he warns us in the scripture amen and then he says for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep for we would judge ourselves we should not be judged but make sure your heart is in the right relationship with God before you take communion make sure you're in the right relationship with God every day as a believer in Jesus Christ examine yourself you know uh, when you get sick how many of you go to a doctor Right, now how many of us men wait until we're really sick to go to the doctor? How many of us wait until somebody hauls us to the doctor to go to the doctor? That's me, amen. I don't like doctors. I, was, I, I don't. I really don't. I mean, I'm not against them. If you're a doctor, praise the Lord, amen. But uh, I don't like you prodding me and poking me and cutting me and, you know. When I had open-heart surgery, they threw me on a table like I was a slab, of, a slab of ribs, amen, and cut me open I don't like that, brother. I mean, you know, I'm glad I was asleep at the time. You know, I'm glad he put me out. And uh, after heart, after 56 years old, open heart surgery. After that, I've been in the hospital. I've met you 20 times since then. A couple of times for four or five days, six days, you know, in a row where I've been pretty sick a few times. I don't like hospitals. I don't like to go to doctors. I don't care. I don't care. Listen, if you're a nurse, praise the Lord. I don't want you in my room giving medication at three o'clock in the morning and waking me up when I'm asleep. Amen. I'm just saying. Amen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. Examine yourself. But not only as a born-again believer examining yourself. But go with me, if you will, to, to uh, 1 Corinthians and, and 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. He makes this statement over in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Down to, um, down to verse 5, he said this. Examine yourselves, watch this, whether ye be in the faith. Uh, he's saying make sure you know you're saved. You would not know how many people I have talked to in over this 35 years of evangelism and 44 years of ministry that did not understand eternal security. I'm talking about independent pastor, fundamental Baptists that don't have a grasp on it. And every time you turn around, they want to get saved. They want to get saved. They want to get saved. If you're not saved, get saved, Amen. I deal with people on eternal security. I deal with them first off on salvation. And then I go from that step into eternal security. And I want to find out. And I asked when I'm done, have you been saved? I've preached at this camp and um, had a boy, uh, a staff member. I had, I had four or five staff members get saved that year at the camp, brother. And I had uh, uh, one young man on a Friday night came up to me. And he says, uh, he says uh, his name is Mikey. He said, he's a preacher. He says, I don't think I'm saved. I said, what, "What do you mean you don't think you're saved?" He said, "He said, well, I don't have any desire to serve God. Have never had a desire to serve God. I just go to church because my mom and dad tell me I have to go to church.'" And, and so I went through the Word of God with him. And after I was all done, I said, now, "What do you think, Mike?" He says, I, "I need to be saved." I said, "Okay. What are you gonna do?" He said, I "Pray." I said, "Well, then pray." Amen. And just lead him in the Lord's prayer, brother. I mean, he, he prayed. He knew what was going on. You know. And he got saved by the grace of God. When he was all done, he went into the dining hall and he called his mom that night. And he was so excited. His mom had him on speakerphone in the house, so excited that his brother could hear him in the other room. His brother, who was Andy, his name was Andy, he was going to be 21 years old on Monday night. He, he, uh, he heard him in the other room. And he said, Boy, Mikey got saved. He said, That's exactly what I need. He came to camp and asked if he could have a special night to come to camp with us at the camp. He came in on Monday night, listened to the message. After I was done preaching, he caught me outside and he said, Preacher, I know I'm not saved. Val his said and trusted Christ as a personal Savior. Here's what happened after that. He said that the two of them were hugging each other, him and his brother, just rejoicing in the Lord. And one brother looks at the other brother. Their dad was a deacon in the independent fundamental Baptist church. And one brother looks at the other brother and says, we need to get dad in on this because he needs to be saved. He said, our dad's a deacon, but he's never lived like he's a Christian. That's sad. Amen? Amen. Make sure you know you're saved. You can't get to heaven on your grandma's coattails, your mama's coattails, your daddy's coattails, you need, or your mama's apron strings. Amen? You have to know for sure yourself. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You make sure that you know Jesus Christ personally and are a child of God. Because if you don't, my friend, you're walking on thin ice. You better make sure that you are born again. Examination. How many would you agree? We need to examine ourselves. Amen. We want revival. We need to examine ourselves. The second thought is this. Look what he says again back in the text of the book of Jeremiah in chapter 6. He says this. For thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. That's prayer. Examination. Once you examine yourself, you know there's a problem. Amen. Once you know there's a problem that you need to take care of, you need to deal with it as an individual, as a child of God. He tells us in the book of, the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, remember, rejoice uh, evermore, pray without ceasing, amen. Uh, now I hope when you're driving down the road and you're driving a car that you don't buy your head to pray while you're driving, amen. <laughs> you don't have to buy your head to pray, amen, aren't you glad for that? I'm glad I can call upon God any time, any hour of the day, any place I'm at, I can call upon him. He said, pray without ceasing and everything, uh, giving thanks or give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's hard. Some people have gone through some, some terrible, pastor, terrible, terrible things in their life. And to rejoice in those things, you, you, you think you can't do it. But the Bible says you can if the Bible says you can do it, trust me, you can do it. Yeah. Amen. Is it hard? Absolutely, it's hard. It's difficult to go some, through some of the things that some, some young ladies and some ladies have gone through and the way some husbands have acted. To go some things, the way some uh, men have been treated sometimes. I worked with a guy, Pastor, back before I went into the ministry. And uh, he got married at work. He was just a little bitty skinny guy. I mean, I'm talking, I think if he turned sideways, it stuck out his tongue or he looked like a zipper or he looked like a toothpick. Amen. It wouldn't have blow him over. And he, he, uh, he, he just got married and his wife was just a little larger than he was. And he come into work one day with two black eyes. I said, what in the world happened to you? He said, Oh, I fell down. She was coming in behind me. She says, That's not true. I knocked him out. Amen. <laughs> I stayed out of that one, but I wasn't getting involved <laughs> close to that. I didn't want to get knocked out by her, man, let me tell you. I've been knocked out before, not like that, man. Let me tell you, man. And everything gives thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Then he says, Quench not the spirit. Don't extinguish the spirit. Don't put water on the spirit of God. Amen. You do what you're supposed to do, and you help others. And when somebody else is praying, you pray with them. Amen. Don't stop what God is doing in somebody's life. Boy, sometimes I see people get all excited. And uh, when I was in Newfoundland, uh, helping the church get started back in '92 or '93, I think it was '92, when I was up there with my family, and we were there five and a half weeks and knocking doors, preacher, and had had the uh, Methodist preacher's son from in town, a teenager, coming to the church services. Came to the revival meetings we were holding, got saved by the grace of God, goes home all excited, and tells his mom and dad, I got saved tonight. I got saved tonight. He came back and told me, I said, Well, how'd that go? He said, They just said, That's good, son. No excitement about it. Well, I tell you, when my kids got saved, I got excited. When my grandkids call me on the phone and say, Grandpa, I got saved. I start shouting on the phone, amen. I start saying, Well, hallelujah. I start saying, Praise the Lord. And then they always say, well, can you come to my baptism? I can't get to the baptism because I'm out of state, amen. I'm out of country sometimes. But I rejoice with them. We need to rejoice over people when they get born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb. When somebody gets saved in your church, boy, you got to stick around a little bit until they come out of the prayer room, until they walk out and say, I got saved, man. Congratulate them, amen. Make them feel welcome. Don't distinguish the fire before it gets started. We need to quench not the spirit. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and you speak a parable unto this end, the Lord says that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That means don't give up. Don't give up. You ever given up on a prayer? I think we all have it one time or another. Amen. And sometimes we just quit quit. I'm glad people didn't quit praying for Mike Patterson. And I have people praying for me since the time I was just a little boy. I had an aunt, Aunt Flossie, Aunt Flossie and Uncle Bill. And my Aunt Flossie, now they weren't Baptist, brother, but they went to a Bible church and then they went to a Pentecostal church. But that woman prayed for me every day. Every day. In fact, she got me to come out to a tent meeting one time with a friend of mine. when We were about fifteen or sixteen. We were drunk. We walk into a tent meeting, preacher, and the preacher's preaching, and we were making fun of him the whole time he was preaching. We got up to leave when it was all over. We're walking out the back of that tent. She come over with her great big old little bony fingers and grabbed a hold of our arms and started squeezing and saying, "You're getting saved." And she turned us around, marched us down to the front of the tent, pulled us down under the ground on our knees, and the, and she said, "These boys need to be saved." The preacher. Come over and say, pray this prayer. I wasn't no more saved uh, than a a cat in the moon. Well, let me tell you, I walked out of that place just as hell-bound as when I walked in there. Well, she had a concern for me, and she prayed for me over and over and over and over and over again. One of my best friends who I used to hang with was a drug buddy and drunk with me at the time. He, got, he had gotten saved, but his mom prayed for me and prayed for me and prayed for me and prayed for me. His mom was a born-again believer. Prayed for me continually before before her own son ever got saved was praying for me. I'm glad people didn't give up, amen. I'm glad they didn't quit. I'm glad people still prayed for me. When, when I got saved, my, my wife was attending a little uh, Bible church Uh, because that's the area she moved into and the fellows I used to hang around with uh, back in the early 70s that had gotten saved, late 60s, early 70s that had gotten saved. But that's where they were attending. They started having a young adult Bible study pastor over in the one guy's house. And so they would go there. They'd had this Bible study on Thursday nights and they were praying for Mike Patterson. Amen. They got her praying for me. They got her writing me a letter. She thought for some reason I was a Christian that had backslid and 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 ended up in jail. It's possible. You know a believer can backslide and up in prison, amen? Get ready they can, let me tell you. She thought that was me, so she said she wrote me a letter, she said, isn't it great to know that even though you're in prison that you're a Christian that when you get out you can be saved? I wrote right back I said, I'm not in a Christian, and I don't ever intend on being one. That's the worst thing to tell an Italian brother it's saved, Amen. She started sending me tracks after track after track. But what I told her was not the truth because I'd been under conviction for almost two years from a man who'd been witness to me when I was in prison that was on the outside that got a hold of me A Nazarene fellow, imagine that. Giving me the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't a Baptist that visited me in prison. Rock of Ages wasn't around yet. Amen. It was a, a Nazarene who had just gotten saved the year before and he said, I read in the Bible where I need to visit the prisoners. And he took that literal and that's what he did. End up leading me to the Lord through a letter, Amen. Examine yourself. I knew I was a sinner. How about you, I knew where I was going. I was going to hell. I knew I needed to be saved before I was ever saved. I knew it. I heard the gospel probably about thirty different times, twenty-five to thirty different times, and had an opportunity to get saved twenty-five to thirty different times uh, for about about five or six years there, brother. And I just walked away from God. Didn't want anything to do with it. I was under, let me tell you, I was under conviction. He said, boy, he said, pray. Don't faint. Don't give up. Don't quit praying for those around you that need prayer. Don't quit praying for your family members. Don't quit praying for friends. Don't quit praying for some of you, no doubt, I would I would dare say, some of you have brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles and parents and grandparents, maybe that have been in prison or maybe are in prison. Just keep praying for them. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep on praying for your neighbor, amen, amen. Uh, who cares if they build, uh, put a rose bush on par- part of your property? Pray for them anyway. Amen. <laughs> maybe maybe they get saved. We need that. I like Romans 12. 12 says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Instant in prayer. We need to examine ourselves. We need to pray. And it's going to be instant in prayer. As soon as you do something, listen. I don't know. You ever you ever have an argument with with, with, you know, i'm going to say if you have an argument with your wife because I'm sure you have it one time or another or you have an argument with your husband I'm sure or your parents or something but when you're in, when you have an argument and and it needs, you need to get that thing settled and he says he says uh and, and you know you know you're not right even though, listen here's me even though i'm not right i'm still right anybody like that besides me in here Even though I'm not right, I'm still right because I don't want to admit that I was wrong. Amen. He said, but the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober. You're not talking about being drunk. You're talking about being sound of mind. And watch unto prayer. And watch unto prayer. That means we ought to take time and have a prayer life Examine ourselves and have a prayer life, not just for ourselves, but for everyone around us. Wait, you pray for your wife? Pray for your husband? Oh, God, straighten my wife out. She's a bitter woman. No, my friend, that's not what he's talking about, Pray for your wife. Oh, God, straighten my husband out. He don't understand me. No, that's not what he's talking about. Pray for him, amen? Pray for him. I'm sure that's how my wife prays for me sometimes. God, straighten them out. Amen. <laughs> go back to 1 Corinthians because I want to show you another one. Jeremiah chapter 6, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6 again, he says, Thus saith the Lord, stand your ways and see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein. That's action. Now you, you examine yourself and you prayed about it. Now he says, do something about it. Do something about it. Hey, can I tell you, um, I'm so adamant against Mars. I am. That, that's where I lived all the time before I was saved. But I'm so adamant. I, I, I don't like them so, so much that when I was traveling pastor, and have my truck and my trailer, no matter where I was going, and sometimes I'd put on 1,500 miles in one or two days. But I'm telling you, we just wore tra- my poor wife out. Amen. That's why we had to buy a house finally and let her settle in a little bit to try to help her and you know, so she won't die before me amen <laughs> of course if I die before her she ain't getting on anything because I ain't got nothing to give her so <laughs> she's getting some pills maybe <laughs> but um, uh, I would go be traveling and if I if I and there was times I passed where I was supposed to turn back in the days before GPS and by the way even since I've had a GPS it's taken me down the wrong road once in a while but before I had the GPS and going down the road, and I might pass my exit or pass where I need to, to go, if I had to go 10 miles down the road because there was a bar in between, I would not turn around in a bar parking lot. I went down the wrong road in Adrian the other day, and I, looked, I was looking to the right to the left. My wife says, keep going. I said, why? She "Because that's a bar. I said, okay. She knows my heart. Amen. I just kept until I get, get where I could turn around. It's, that's that's me. I'm not saying that has to be you, but we. I've got some conviction about some things. Amen. Look at me there in in First uh, Corinthians. First Corinthians. Let me get myself over there. I told you to go there. And I'm not even there yet. First Corinthians in chapter six. And look with me, if you would, please, down to verse nine. He says, "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God?" Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, that's the other crowd, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Well, I fall under that category. And maybe many of you in this room also have, amen. Hope you're not falling under it after you got saved, amen. Hope you're not falling under now that you got saved. But he said then but watch what he says in verse 11. And such were. Uh, if you hear me preach much, you, you know I, I do not know much about the English. <laughs> never, never finished school until I was 27 and got a GED, and then went back the next year and took a year of government and history and got a regular diploma. But I don't know anything, brother. You know, I'm nothing. I don't know. I'm, I'm dumb as a rock. Amen. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. But I do know something about that word, were. That's past tense. That's back there, not up here, amen. That's not over there, but that's back there. That's past tense. And he says, and such were, some of you, he said, this is what some of you were. Now watch. If that's what we were, then that's not what we should be now. So he says, but ye are washed. How? With the blood of the precious Lamb of God, and then He says, "But ye are sanctified, how? By the precious Holy Spirit of God, set apart unto Him." And then He says, "On top of it, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God." He said, "You are justified." Man, I tell you, you can't beat that. I love you I like that word, justified, just as if you never sinned. Amen. What a great word in the scripture. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, if you take that word out of scripture, you're, you're in trouble, amen? Because I'm justified in God's eyes, not because of me, not because of what I have done, not because of you, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done upon the very cross of Calvary. So he says, such were some of you. That means that's not how we ought to be today. So he goes on in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, for ye were sometimes darkness. There's that word were. You were, you were, sometimes darkness, but now are you light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. It's like that verse this morning we were looking at. You know better in Sunday school, amen? You know better. You have not so learned Christ. We know better. We know what we ought to be. We know how we ought to be. It's amazing to me that, Pastor, the world, the sinful world, knows more about how a believer ought to be than a believer knows how a believer ought to be. Because they will look at you, the world will look at you and say, I thought you were a Christian. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be listening to that. You shouldn't be talking to that. Oh, did I hear a dirty joke come out of your mouth? Did I hear? watch you listening to a dirty joke and then laugh about it? You should not be like that. That's what the world sees. The world knows more about how a Christian ought to be than Christians know how Christians ought to be. We need to be in the Word of God, Amen. We need to saturate ourselves with this Bible that we might grow in the very grace of God to be what God would have us to be as his children, bringing honor and glory to his name. That's action, by the way. We need to do something about what we've been doing as believers and get things right with God. Do something about it. Make some commitments in your life. Do some things in your life. Say, I'm, not, I'm determined. There's pastors, But by the grace of God... By the grace of God, preacher, I'll never take drugs. I'm talking about dope. I am met with my doctors. I lost a toll back in 1975. Long story, another message with a lawnmower. Whole, there's a message in that story. You probably heard the story, brother. If not, maybe I'll tell it this week. whole message in that story. But I lost a toll and I went into the hospital i told my wife when we got married i said honey i said listen to me i said if i ever have to go to the hospital they are not allowed to give me anything but a local anesthetic that's it so i went in and she told the she told the uh doctor that and he said well uh in order to do this we need to put him under uh, we need to give him a shot to, you know really woozy 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 him and they wanted to give me i forget what it was they were going to give me and she said he's not allowed to take anything but a local anesthetic and he says, Is that so I said, yes. He said, well, to sign this paper, and I did. And he just shot an overcane in it, and I watched him do the whole work. And I laid down on the table watching him. That's interesting. You got know, to see how they do that, brother. That's, I mean, it took about 20 minutes, but it was, it was interesting. I'd tell you the story, but some of you'd get woozy, amen. Especially when you clip that thing off, the rest of it, and throw it in a garbage can. And you go, ka amen. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just simply saying. So I, I made a determination, I'm not going to take drugs. I made a determination no matter what happens I'm not I'm not going to go on morphine I'm not going to go on that's just but that's me I'm not saying that has to be you. I'm saying I made some determination, some commitments in my life as a child of God because I never wanted to get that taste in my mouth again. I never wanted to get that taste in my life again. Boy, if you've got a problem with pornography or drugs or alcohol, make some commitments in your life that you don't want to be involved in that anymore as a child of God and then do something to keep from being involved in it. Amen. You might have to throw your computer out. Might have to get rid of the TV. Today you might have to get rid of I well, don't get rid of that radio, preacher. That's a good radio, amen. That reminds me of when I was a kid. Action. Then look with me if you will. Again back to the text. He says this. He said, And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. That's the peace of God. You do it, listen, you examine yourself, and you pray, and you you take action, and then he brings the peace to you that you need to have. In Isaiah chapter 28, verse 12, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith wherewith, uh, ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. He said, I want to give them rest, but they won't listen. They won't hear what I have to say. You want rest in your life? You want peace in your life as a child of God? Follow God's principles in your life. Do it God's way. Quit trying to do it your way. Let God have the glory. Let God have the honor. Let God be magnified in your life as a child of God. Look at Matthew chapter 11 with me. Matthew chapter 11. Or Matthew chapter 11, he makes this statement. Down in verse 28, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you, but my yoke is heavy, but his yoke is easy, amen. My burden is heavy, but his burden is light. He said, take that upon you, because I've taken yours upon me. I want to tell you what, my friend. I think we just need to do it God's way. What do you think? Amen? Well, what amazed me is they said, we will not walk therein. That's the next part of that verse. We're not going to do it. And then on top of that, then he challenged them after that. He said, listen to the sound. Look at the next verse. Also, I said, watchmen over you, saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. What's the trumpet? Hey, what, what, what was the sound of the trumpet? When when there would be a battle, when something was going on, there'd be somebody on that wall, they'd be paying attention, they'd be looking out through there, and, and when the enemy was coming, they would blow the trumpet so that people could come into safety. He said... Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. Today, listen, this is the trumpet, amen. Your pastor is the trumpeter. He's the one shouting out the word, shouting out the warning. Listen to what the word of God says. This is God's word, shouting to you. If you're in it enough, you'll begin to get a hold of it and God will use it to speak to you and direct your path as a child of God. We need to be in the very word of God. But what amazed me is they said, we will not. Listen. How sad. Jeremiah 25, 4 says, And the Lord has sent unto you all his servants and prophets, the prophets rising early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. Now let me end up with this thought. I had a friend when I was growing up. His name was Warren. And Warren was about oh, two or three years younger than me. And uh, when I went to uh, prison the first time I got out, Warren was a wicked young man, let me tell you, at 15, 16 years old. I don't think I ever heard a young man ever talk to his mother and his father the way that Warren did. And uh, when I was in prison the second time, my uh, friend of mine and my wife and these guys who they were going to Bible Institute in Cleveland, Ohio, and they were coming back from Bible Institute and they were, uh, had a car break down, so they, walked, they pulled into this little restaurant in a place called Austinburg, Ohio. And uh, when they pulled in there, they walked inside. They, they, they called the guy's mom, and he, she was going to come pick them all up. And they walked inside, past her, and, and there was a guy. Warren was sitting at the counter getting ready to eat a hamburger and french fries. And, and Fred, who had been saved for a couple of years now, walked in, he saw him. Fred never went anywhere without his Bible in his hand. He walked in and he saw him sitting there and he goes over and he sits down on the stool next to him and he opens up his Bible he says, he warned, he said, can I share some things with you from the Bible? He said, sure, so he took me through Roman Road and some other places. He said, do you believe what God says that, that Jesus raised from the dead? He said, I believe that. He said, do you believe that he could save you? He said, I believe that. He said, would you like to bow your head right here and trust Christ as your Savior? He says, no. So the story, let me tell you the whole story because Fred asked him, he says, What are you waiting for? And he said, Well, if what you say is true, then on my deathbed, I could ask Christ to forgive me and get saved. And Fred asked him this question What happens if on your way home tonight, you get hit by a train and you die instantly? No chance for a deadbed conversion. No, no chance for you to confess your sin. But what will happen then? And Warren looked at him and said, "This, I'll take my chances." And within one week, a young man was on a place in Nashville, a little called Bunker Hill, and he going down the hill. They said he had his radio up so loud in his car that he never heard the train before it hit him. Died instantly. That's sad, amen. But how about you? How about you? Where will you be if you happen to pass tonight? I know where I'll be. I'll be in glory, amen. I'm looking forward to my graduation day. I'm not trying to push a preacher, but I'm looking forward to it, amen. I'm looking forward to it. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Has bowed eyes closed. My friend.